Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce. And my guest today is Deb Purdy. Deb is a transformational coach, speaker, workshop leader, and author of Something Gained, Seven Shifts to Be Stronger, Smarter, and Happier After Divorce. Deb got divorced in 2005, and it was a messy one. At first, like many people, she wallowed in a toxic cocktail of blame anger, regret, shame, failure, and judgment. And on one of her darkest days, she had a revelation that changed everything. And today she's at peace about her divorce and actually grateful for the experience. And the process that she went through was so powerful and transformational that she felt she felt called to put it together to help others. Welcome, Deb. It's really a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Catherine. I'm really glad to be here. So, I mean, it's really the obvious question. What was that transformational experience? What was the revelation? (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm happy to share it. You know, we don't plan on our marriages going down in flames. When we get married, we have hopes and dreams, and none of us plans to be in the ranks of the divorce. And in fact, when you tell people you're getting divorced, they usually say, I'm so sorry, which is basically social proof that something has gone terribly wrong, and divorce isn't considered a good outcome. So as you said, you know, when I was going through my divorce, I was going through all those things and it was, it was getting very dark and it was getting very difficult. And after one particularly brutal phone call with my, my soon to be ex at that time, you know, I had this terrible realization that I had many years of left dealing with him as the other parent to my very young children at the time. And it just really was, as you said, a truly dark time. And then one day I I had this realization and it just hit me that divorce is like getting a life do-over, only now I had more wisdom and experience to work with. And I realized that I had a choice about how I wanted to use my divorce experience. I suddenly knew that although divorce was an ending, it could also be a beginning for all of us, for me, for him, and for my kids. And when I realized that I had the power to reinvent divorce for myself, it instantly shifted how I felt about it, and it changed what I did next. And I also decided that I had the power to create a new normal for my kids that wasn't worse or less. It was just different. So I went out of the victim mode, and I took back ownership of my life, and I decided to examine what I wanted for myself and to do um, what I needed to do or change to get it. So I decided in that moment and then subsequent to that to use my marriage and divorce as a learning lab for myself for personal growth. All the information was there for me. I just had to have the courage to see it. So that sounds like one shift. And your book is called Something Gained Seven Shifts to Be Stronger, Smarter, and Happier After Divorce. Where does that fit into the seven? Good question. Well, that is what I call the foundational shift. And that is what I consider the most important thing that people can do to thrive after divorce, which is make the decision to use the divorce to your advantage. And then once I went through my process and 
was transformed in terms of my relationship with my divorce, my relationship with my ex, and was able to create a cooperative co-parenting partnership with my ex over time. I took what I learned and I developed it into these this series of shifts. But that's the very first one, that's what I call the foundational one. And I started working with a lot of people who were going through divorce as a coach. And, you know, these themes kept coming up over and over again. And over that time, I developed the seven, the seven shift model. All right. Can you talk to us about what those seven shifts are? Because it, it sounds like what you're saying is, you know what? I'm in, I'm in this really deep, dark place and I'm angry and I'm resentful and I'm feeling like, uh, like a victim and I'm feeling stuck. I'm really feeling stuck. And you had this realization that you were the one feeling stuck and that if you shifted your internal mindset, you could take ownership back of your life and you could design the life you wanted to lead going forward in a way that was really positive, not only for yourself, but for your children and maybe even for your ex-husband. That's, that's exactly right. So the first shift what is what I call a culture shift. It's like I mentioned, you know, culturally we are, uh, the way that we're taught to divorce is guaranteed to create painful results for all involved. Culturally, nastiness is kind of the default setting. It's accepted, it's encouraged even, you know, people, supporters kind of go around them, kind of the victim energy and mentality is there. So the first shift is really the culture shift and transforming your relationship to divorce itself and deciding to use it to your advantage. And then the second shift... Is wait, wait, let me just stop you right there because I think when you say deciding to use it to your advantage, I don't think you mean like sometimes people use that phrase to mean like against somebody else. No, I do not mean that at all. Right, so let's clarify what you do mean by that. Yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you asked that. Well, there's a lot of advantages personally to divorce that are, are not against someone else, but it's a way to use it for personal growth. So I say... Use your divorce as a learning lab to identify your unconscious patterns and how you show up in a, in a relationship and decide whether or not that works for you. So it's best really illustrated by a quick example, which is during the last few years of my marriage, the house flipping craze was, was all the rage and everyone was, you know, quote unquote, getting rich, you know, flipping houses. And if you weren't in that, you kind of felt out of it. And my then husband sat me down at our kitchen table and said, you know, I've got this sure thing, you know, blah, blah. And I said, great, great. I was really excited for about three minutes until he told me that we needed to put all of our savings into it and all the equity in our house. And I didn't want to do it. But a few weeks later, I, w- I numbly signed the papers. I did it. And the deal tanked and so did the marriage. So, so how do I use that to my advantage? Well, by going out of the victim mode and looking at it from a higher altitude, I was able to see that I had a pattern of being an overpleaser. I had a peace at any price pattern played out in a million ways, you know, me abandoning myself, but that was one breathtaking way that it played out. And so what when that's what I mean by using it to your advantage. I could see since I wasn't a victim, I was a participant in that dynamic. And by not saying no and by not standing up for myself, you know, it led to the result. So that is what I that kind of insight about yourself is what I call the lottery winnings of divorce. Because once I identify that, I can decide, hey, does that work for me? No, it doesn't. What do I need to do to heal that? So that's what I mean by using it to your advantage because that, that's one of the great big ways that you can look back at your marriage and divorce kind of like a scientist and look at yourself and see, you know, how did I show up here? Yeah, I, I think that that's really interesting because oftentimes and you, if, I can imagine you telling that story to friends and neighbors, you know, family members and them going, oh, Deb, you know, what a jerk. How could yeah. you know, right? And, and not, not saying, yeah, but you said yes. 
You know, yeah. you said yes. Like, why did I you did do that? It. Right. That's exactly it. And that's exactly what happened for a little while. You know, like, can you believe it? Oh, my God. You know, and that's what I mean about the culture of divorce. You know, so people are really anxious and, and ready to kind of jump on the bandwagon with you with your victim stories. Great. So what's the second shift? The second is shift your intentions. So once you decide that you're going to use it to your advantage, setting powerful intentions to improve your inner and outer life. You know, I had a client that whose um, ex used to show up late all the time picking up the kids, and it drove her crazy, and um, they used to get in nasty fights. And she couldn't change him, but what she could do was change how she was inside of herself. So she decided to set a powerful intention to stay peaceful inside of herself no matter what he said or did or how he showed up. And she also decided to have a plan if he was late. If she was just going to be at home and didn't bother her that the kids were kind of hanging around in the room, you know, she just sent her attention to stay peaceful. And whenever he got there, he got there. And if she had to go out and run an errand, she just took them with her. And he sometimes picked them up while she was at Target or the grocery store. And so by taking action and setting the intention to stay peaceful, it allowed her to get creative about solutions. And, you know, a lot of people said, hey, you're letting him off the hook. And she, you know, by doing this, and she said, you know what, I I can't do in this negativity anymore. I've got to change something inside myself. He may be being totally passive aggressive by doing this. So what? I can't change him. I can only change how I respond. And he wins when you get all upset. I mean, that's the thing. That's like, the thing. Right. That's the thing. I mean, and, and if it's passive aggressive and that's really the intent, if you don't have the reaction, then they don't get the benefit they're looking for, if you can call that a benefit. Yes. And and what happens, you know, nine times out of 10 is when you shift, because you're shifting the way you show up, that person shifts too. So that's what she found. As soon as she stopped getting mad and just started, you know, neutrally, like doing, going about her life and doing what she needed to do. And, you know, he stopped doing it. And so that doesn't happen all the time. But I do find this, that when one person shifts themselves without any agenda about the other person, they're simply trying to change how they are inside themselves. It often has a ripple effect. This is Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Catherine Miller, and I'm talking today with Deb Purdy, the author of Something Gained, Seven Shifts to Be Stronger, Smarter, and Happier After Divorce. We're talking about what those seven shifts are, and we've talked about the first two. And Deb, what's the th- what's the third one? The third one is shifting your story. And, you know, we all, we all have stories about our divorce, and often... I find the biggest mistake that people make is they get attached to their story. <laughs> I was at a party kind of recently, and when I tell someone about my book, you know, they often tell me their stories. And this woman ranted and railed for 30 minutes about her ex, and, and he had cheated on her and, and left her and married someone else and all that. I thought this had happened like last week, but it was like six years ago. But it was so um, fresh for her. She was so triggered by it, even years later. And by the way, she had been remarried, she said happily, and she had uh, twin boys. In her her second marriage? Yeah, in a second marriage. They had both moved on, but her story was still so fresh for her. She was still so attached to it. And she's kind of an extreme example, but a lot of people that are divorced, even years later, if, if their ex comes up, they can get right back to bitter. And so, um, my third shift is shifting your story is breaking free from destructive post-divorce storylines and rewriting it for yourself in a way that's more empowering. 
You know, I think that's so interesting. One of my favorite quotes, and for listeners to this show will we'll recognize this quote, but it's that holding on to resentment is like swallowing rat poison and hoping that the rat will die. <laughs> you know, exactly and I think that if you hold on to that narrative, you're likely to recreate it because you're looking for it. Yeah. And you expect it and you get what you expect. Right. All right. And what's the next shift? The next one is shifting on your ex. And it's not unlike, you know, the one we talked about with intentions, but, you know, it's being able to be peaceful inside of yourself no matter what your ex says or does. And it's shifting your how you look at your ex from, you know, your persecutor or your enemy or the villain in your story to, you know, what I call it is your master professor in life school. Because the person that triggers you the most is often the person that has the most to offer you in terms of healing your unhealed wounds. They don't, you know, that's not a conscious thing on their part, but whenever someone triggers you, it's an opportunity to say, you know, what's coming up inside of me? And what do I need to do to heal it? And the example is, you know, that my ex and how, you know, my overpleaser pattern. So because I became aware of that pattern, every time I interacted with him after our divorce, I was nervous. I mean, I was still in that pattern, but I was aware of it. So I used every interaction to practice standing up for myself. And because I was able to make that shift, every time he called, I think to myself, school is in session. Okay, Professor Ron is going to help me out right now with you know, practicing standing up for myself. So even though it wasn't easy, you know, it was enough of a shift for me to shift the way that I felt about him. Well, let me ask you this, because I find that, you know, sometimes when I'm working with clients and and they're, you know, a pleaser also, or they feel like they've been a doormat the whole marriage or whatever, then they're working with their therapist to, you know, learn to stand up for themselves. They have a kind of extreme reaction in the other direction, right? Where so, like, and I'm like, this isn't really helpful because basically if if the... If the spouse says yes, they say no. If they say no, if they say yes, this is like, I'm just going to stand up for myself against you or whatever because I'm going to be against you without really focusing with what I think you're talking about, about what really matters to me. If what really, what, if what you want and what really matters to me is the same or close enough, then it's okay to, to go along because y- you agree. And so really, I think what's really tough about that is to turn your focus from them to me. Yes. Right. And to really focus on what's important to me. And I'm not going to go along with it just because you want it, but I will go along with it if it's something I also want. I think that's really hard for people in the beginning. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, there's that tendency, again, to be kind of in the victim mode or in the enemy mode. So, you know, any, any, anything, any ground I give up is a win for you. And we've got to get out of the win lose mindset. And, really, as you said, get inside yourself and really check in and say, what will work for me? What won't? What can I compromise on? Because the goal isn't to win or defeat the other person. Ultimately, in terms of the way that I look at it, the goal is to learn about yourself, wish that person well, ultimately, and hope that they go on the path of learning about themselves. And, you know, I consider any marriage a success, whether it's six months or 25 years, if at least one of the two people comes out of it with more compassion and self-awareness. So if you ground yourself in that goal, you know, yes, I'm going to stand up for myself when it's important to do so with compassion and self-awareness. Yeah. I think that's hard. It is hard. I mean, this isn't easy stuff to do. Yeah. It's really simple, but it's really not easy. Yeah. All right. What's the next one, Deb Party? 
um, shift the conversation, and that is teaching your friends and family how to best support you as you recover and heal. And like I alluded to earlier, a lot of times your friends and family are kind of on the bandwagon with you. In my own experience and, and with a lot of my clients also, even as I began to heal and kind of get over it and I made this big shift, my family didn't shift with me and right away, and some of them never did. So, you know, you, people around you could still hold your ex in contempt even, you know, after you don't anymore. And so knowing that and then really to be helpful to you, thinking of you as a victim, it keeps you like really trapped and powerless. So to be helpful to you, teaching people or letting them know that you're going to use your divorce to learn about yourself and grow. You're going to use it to your advantage. You're going to use it to reinvent your life and that how they can be most helpful is if they don't have anything nice to say about your ex, don't say anything at all, the old adage. And also to consider you as a powerful person that has everything you need inside yourself to use this experience to make your life better instead of a victim and poor you and I'm so sorry. You need them to stand by you and listen when you want to process if that's what you want, but not to like take you down the rabbit hole of, of being a victim. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I think it's also really challenging. You know, I remember when I was a kid and I would go to school and I'd complain about my sister and they'd, I'd be like, oh, you know, complain, complain, complain. And then my friends would go, oh, yeah, your sister, she's, you know, whatever. And I'd be like, don't say that about my sister. <laughs> and you, can, you can feel that way about your, your ex-husband too, like, or your ex-wife or, or your ex-partner, you know, that basically it's one thing for me to kind of process my stuff, but that's the, you know, the, the other parent of my children. I mean, that's a person that I've spent, you know, a long time in my life with and that in some ways I'll always care deeply about. And so that can be disempowering. And then the, the people can feel, you know, the divorcing person can feel sort of stuck, like and lonely, so lonely, yeah. um, you know, between what their real inner confusion and, and it's because it is confusing yeah. and disorientation is and that their supposed support network that we often call the Greek chorus, you know, like mm -hmm. they, which is, you know, often not exactly nuanced advice. Yes, that's exactly right. And, you know, as you said, you know, today and, you know, I consider my ex as part of my extended family. I mean, it's it's, it's our new normal. It's, this is a reinvented relationship. And that has been amazing for me and my kids this whole time, you know, to be able to do that. And part of what I advise people to do, you know, even in the, the nastiest part of my divorce, I created a vision after I had made the shift of what I wanted my relationship with my ex to look like, even though it didn't seem possible that it could be that. At one point, I, I actually shared it with them. And I said, look, you know, and it was after like a, a very difficult conversation, but I said, I have a vision of me and you at our daughter's college graduation, and we're laughing and we're crying and we're so proud of ourselves for collaborating to raise our daughters together cooperatively. And we have genuine love and affection for each other. And I'm going to do everything in my power to bring that to fruition. And I told him that not for him. I told him that for me, but I was kind of putting a stake in the ground. This is what I, this is where I'm going to go. And it didn't, it wasn't instant. It wasn't overnight. He didn't go, great. Okay. Me too. You know, but it did shift him too. And, um, we, we were eventually were able to create that. That's really great. 
This is Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Catherine Miller. We're here every other Wednesday on WVOX 1460 AM and WVOX.com. Or perhaps you're listening to the podcast, which is available on the website, www.divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking today with Deb Purdy. She's the author of Something Gained, Seven Shifts to Be Stronger, Smarter, and Happier After Divorce. And she also does transformational coaching, speaking, and, and leads workshops. And Deb, if people are interested in finding out more about your book or your work, how can they get in touch with you? and learn more. Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, I do have a website, debpurdy.com, and my book is on Amazon, and um, I just recorded the audiobook soon to be on Audible. That's terrific. And and uh, do you work with individual clients as well? I've really shifted to working more with groups um, and doing more uh, workshops. And, and what kind of people come to the workshops? It's interesting because I get people that are, you know, newly divorced and in the raw pain of of that experience. But I also get people that have been divorced for a while and they're still, it's over, I like to say, but they're not over it. They just haven't, for some reason, be, been able to move on and they just want to be more peaceful inside themselves about it. So I'd like to finish uh, the shifts that, that are you sort of talk about in your book, but I'd also like to talk about the, what you think is the most common mistake that people make that keeps them really stuck after their divorce. So uh, in, in our remaining time, do you think we could speed through those topics? Yes, I will speed through those, yes. So the sixth shift is, I call it kids are shifters too, and so what to do and what not to do to help your kids recover and thrive which is kind of a big topic, so I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but I, I would say just as a boil down, the most important thing is heal yourself because the better you're doing, the better they will do, and as you make these kinds of shifts, it'll shift the way that you show up for them and in relationship to your ex. So setting the intention, you know, to heal yourself and to or reinvent your relationship, reinvent your family. The next one is what I call shift on, and that's reinventing your life after divorce, and that is, you know, you're already, divorce is often a catalyst for people to change everything, you know, to, to realize, hey, I'm in a career I never really liked, or, you know, I've always wanted to hike the Grand Canyon or whatever. And, you know, you're uncomfortable anyway, so you might as well use it as a time to, like, really go for it. Figure out what you really want for your life and use it as a new beginning all the way around. I totally agree with that. I think of, of divorce as the intersection between what was and what will be. And it's yeah. really an opportunity to really take stock of what's important to you, how you've changed, how you don't need to like, please your parents or, you know, whatever anymore. And now you really, this is the one chance we get as far as we know. And mm-hmm. it's really an opportunity to then sort of, I don't know, refocus and say, oh, yeah, you know what? This is really important, and I'm nowhere near that. Yes. No, I, I agree. And so, you know, we 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 already kind of alluded to what I feel is the, the biggest mistake, the most common mistake, and that is really getting attached to your victim story, that there's just nowhere to go with that, you know, but down. I mean, it's, it keeps you really stuck in, in that toxic stew that you <laughs> talked about in the intro of all those things. And it really stops your creativity and, and everything that can happen good for you after your divorce. I mean, yeah, people uh, have great lives after divorce all the time. But you could, you know, by being stuck to your story, you're likely to take it with you into your next relationship and recreate that pattern again. So that's what I, that's what I, if, if I gave any, like, one pearl would be to really find the gifts and blessings of your divorce find the learnings for yourself and the insights about your how you showed up in relationships and rewrite your story. So that's a tall order. 
It really is. I mean, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, wow, I'd love to do that, but I have no idea how to do that. Mm-hmm. We only have about a minute left, but what would you say to that person? How could they start and take the first step or the first couple of steps toward that goal? The first step, I think, is identify, to start a running list of the gifts and blessings of your divorce. And, you know, people say, yeah, what, what could that be? But what do you know about yourself now that you didn't know before? And maybe you need help finding that out. I mean, that's where therapy comes in. But setting that intention to, to learn about yourself. Um, how has my divorce opened my heart? What am I choosing for myself next? Um, what relationships do I have now that I wouldn't have had? What am I grateful for in my life now? So really just starting with gratitude for and working on trying to identify what you've gained from being married to this person and even going through the divorce process. It's there, but you just need to open yourself up to looking for it, and that is the first step. And so really, instead of focusing on the negative, I think what you're saying is to sort of rethink, and each one of those negatives, of course, has a positive on the other side, but rethinking what that is. Uh, and focusing on what it is that, that that there might be gratitude for and 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 not focusing on the loss so much. Yes, or at least giving equal time to the positive. And then how do the people hold on to that? Just in our last our last seconds, how do people hold on to their gratitude as they start to then sort of turn their attention toward I don't know the negotiation of the divorce itself? Well, what I think is just being intentional about it, deciding that you're going to do it and, and keeping, you know, keeping a running list of things and, you know, every day revisiting it. So don't just, it's not just an idea that comes through and you, you know, that's a great idea, but you literally intentionally physically do it every day. That's really great advice. Deb Purdy, thank you so much for being the guest on Dialogue on Divorce for this week. Thanks, Catherine.